0: participate, engage, speak out, use your voice to be an effective advocate. The Voices in Advocacy podcast examines the diverse landscape of advocacy, exploring the ins and outs of building influence, driving change, and creating champion advocates. It's now time for the Voices in Advocacy podcast with your host, Roger Rickard.
1: Hello and welcome to the Voices in Advocacy podcast. I'm Roger Rickard, president and founder of Voices in Advocacy, where we work with organizations to inspire, educate, engage, and activate your supporters by turning them into effective, influential advocates. And this is the podcast dedicated to the art of advocacy. This is for the people that work and engage in advocacy efforts for their organizations, be they corporations, Associations, trade organizations, and nonprofit cause groups. Hey, we're proud to have RAP Index as a sponsor of the show. Let's face it, today's advocacy arena is just plain noisy. Organizations are stretched. You need every advantage to make sure your issue gets the attention it deserves and your voice heard. The RAP Index is the best way to do just that. By finding your stakeholders' relationships and engagement power. Get past the noise, know who your people know, go to rapindex.com, that's R A P index.com, and tell them Roger sent you for a special offer. Now, let's get started. In today's episode, we meet Aaron Bloodworth. Now, for the past 13 years, Aaron has served as the CEO of Fern Expo, where they specialize in exhibitions and events management. He received his education from the University of Utah, the David Eccles School of Business with a degree in Business Administration and Political Science. We'll hit on that as we go through today. Aaron has served as the president of the Exhibition Services and Contractors Association, as well as the chairman of SEER, the Center for Exhibition Industry Research. And in 2019, Aaron received IAEE's, that's the International Association of Exhibition and Events, inaugural humanitarian award for his continual efforts to enhance the lives of those whose path he crosses professionally and personally. Thank you, Aaron, and welcome to today's show.
0: Thanks, Roger. Great to be here. Great to hear your voice and hope to see you again in person soon.
1: Boy, wouldn't that just be a treat for, well, I know it would be a treat for me and a treat for all of us as we try to get back to normal in-person events. So as we start, can you explain to listeners exactly what Expo does?
0: Yeah, it's always a tricky question. Even though we've been around for 110 years, it's still kind of a mystery. But what we, we're basically a cross between a logistics, a construction, and a marketing company. And we take and work with Um, show organizers, trade associations, corporations that are putting on events, bringing people together. And we provide the infrastructure for that. Some of it's technology, a lot of it's the physical stuff. We take an empty convention center or a hotel ballroom and turn it, you know, take a couple of days, turn it into a little city. It runs for a couple of days and we tear it back out. Uh, But in the the process of that, we're supporting the marketing effort. We're bringing communities together. We're getting uh, an environment where commerce can happen and helping people build relationships.
1: Well, I think that was a pretty uh, good explanation. And you've been in business for 110 years. That's fabulous. So how many expos, uh, events does your team work on in a typical year? And I know we're not in a typical year.
0: Yeah, typically, um, we produce around 1,500 trade shows a year, um, varying in size from very small to some of the largest in the country. Um, in addition to that, a few thousand smaller events that range from someone renting some equipment to us just providing you know, uh, support for a smaller event, but uh, around 1,500 trade shows where people are actually gathering together to, to conduct business.
1: You know, I have seen the Fern Expo trucks on the road as I'm out and about, and that just shows uh, the level of. How much business you really commerce you conduct and I love the explanation of creating these small little cities within inside the, the convention centers. I think that gives a visual to our audience that is not used to that, so yeah. that they can get a sense of really what Fern does.
0: But we're, we're kind of behind the scenes, so people go to a show and they assume that that stuff's already all there, but little do they know we get this concrete box and we, you know, in just a few days turned into something and by the time they show up it looks fairly finished and then we take it out and the next group moves in but uh, you mentioning seeing our trucks I love when people send me pictures of our trucks and. You know, odd and diverse places all over the, mostly in the U.S., but uh, occasionally they see our brand internationally. I, I, I love getting notes from people saying, hey, I just saw your truck in Miami Beach. I saw your truck in Seattle. I saw your truck in Los Angeles. And truly, it's a, it's a business that takes us everywhere.
1: Yeah, and, and, and it's great, the engagement that you bring. You help bring people together so that they can uh, be educated, uh, network, uh, provide the commerce. It, it's a wonderful thing. Now, you're the CEO, so as a leader and a, and a CEO, what can associ- what can associations in your field do to create better engagement to help protect and defend your business, and I know your passion, your employees?
0: Yeah, I like this question um, because it calls for a distinction, I think, and, and I like advocacy best that defends my business and right to conduct business. I think that's more important than asking for something. And, and usually in my, my business, I'm saying, hey, just make sure we maintain a good platform to continue to cut, conduct business the way that we've done so you know, for over a century and, and don't interfere with that. Um, we're not looking for you know, some type of a gift. Typically, <laughs> we're looking for just a, a fair playing field where we can keep operating. And um, I think I can, if it's OK, I'll share a quick story about advocacy in our industry that I think represents exceptional industry participation and how our how our industry came together part but i'll preface it with part of advocacy is not um, dragging any party unnecessarily through the mud especially um, once an issue has been amenably resolved resolved so i'm going to kind of keep this anonymous and not give the names of the organizations because uh, i think that's part of us having a good fair advocacy outcome um, but this uh, this model has been used Several times since the story I'm going to share, so the names aren't even really that important. But um, most of the work that we perform happens in publicly owned facilities that were built or at least, um, you know, backed by tax dollars. And they were built in those communities for uh, to drive economic activity to the market, whether that's filling hotel rooms, restaurants, getting businesses to move there, whatever the taxpayers um, and the, the government leaders chose to build that venue so they could could drive economic activity in their community. And and, um, these facilities should provide as much economic uh, impact and opportunity as possible while providing value to the users. And this is done by ensuring a competitive and open market um, in the the facility. And occasionally, venue management um, looks at the services we provide or others in our space provide, and they see that as a revenue opportunity to help fill their budget. Um, and thus threatening to kill some of the very economic activity that these venues were built to create um, and provide. And in one case, a venue announced bringing several services in-house that had historically been provided by providers like us or others in the industry. And that was a threat to the existing providers, to their employees, our employees, and it also leads to an increase in prices and reduced quality of the customers. They lose that competitive option to bring in providers who can best serve them and compete on price. So um, what happened is uh, ESCA, IE, and SISO quickly banded together and created an alliance for addressing this. And this was a city-owned facility. Um, and uh, we were very aggressive at addressing these matters with Various stake uh, venue stakeholders, so the venue management, the community that owned it, the I met with the mayor a few times. We became so uh, in regular contact with the mayor's chief of staff who was handling this matter that they recognized my voice, mine kind of like yours, Roger's fairly noticeable and recognizable. But that uh, chief of staff recognized my calls, and and uh, we got to know each other pretty well through this process. But what what happened is we you know we really brought the force of several providers being displaced that wouldn't have had the power individually without the backing of ESCA, SISO, um, IE in this case, they represented um, the customer, the end user, the people that were saying, we're going to bring our community to your venue. That's where the power was. And they said, and these are our partners. These are the people that serve us all over the country. We need you to let them conduct their businesses in a way that serves us well and creates a, a, you know, a good return for your city that you've invested in this venue as well. So we, um, you know, we stayed on this issue until it was favorably resolved, but it took many parties and a concerted effort to get this done. And, and in my view, the industry was at its finest in that moment. Um, and, and several times as we've done similar things since, that's exactly what we bind together for as a trade association. And, and, and for us to be able to go and put our best foot forward together as, as customers, providers, all people who are looking to build the exhibition industry just had a fantastic outcome and we've used it several times since.
1: You know, you bring up a great point, by, by using the customer, what is the customer's needs in this, and being able to open the eyes of people that aren't necessarily seeing it in the same vein that we see it at, or you see it as, as being one of those service providers. And I love the comment, you know, you're free and fair. Just give us the opportunity for free and fair commerce. And we can do we can do the best. You know, we can do the rest with that. Uh, great, great story. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. And that example could be played out in a thousand different places and at a thousand different times. We often know that uh, uh, particularly local municipalities are always looking for ways that they can turn around and create additional tax dollars in their mind. And 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 Kind of defeat the purpose as you indicated earlier of the economic development of new money
0: coming into a city yeah no no names mattered for that story it was really that's a replicable Correct. model and a situation that occurs from time to time and this was just a great example of the associations coming together and solving it
1: so i asked this question of all of my guests and and, and you may have somewhat answered it but specifically <laughs> what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of advocacy.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think about it as the first thing that come to mind is advocating to the government, but it's a lot more than that. You know, so right. I, I think of it as advocating to politicians or the government about some type of issue or need, um, but it's bigger than that. And, you know, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, and, and and to that very point, I often point out what I call the seven branches of the advocacy tree. And yes, it includes government, but it's media and it's uh, a public service and it's people and it's industry and it's brand and it's cause. And all those things really encapsulate uh, what advocacy is. Would you agree with that?
0: I do, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how do you see the role of individuals in advocacy and in the governing arena? And, and let's make this kind of a big picture question just as a uh, as a citizen how do you see our individual roles
0: yeah it's interesting you say as a as a citizen because I see it two ways both as a citizen you know the individual citizen and as individuals as part of communities and whether that's a community whether that community is a business or an industry or an issue or a cause It's still it's individuals representing that and and, um, dollars and advocacy can help open doors and build campaigns. But at the end of the day, it's really individuals that connect, create emotions, make representatives feel an obligation, et cetera. That's not that's not the dollars. That's not a contribution. That's not a TV ad. It's me meeting with somebody, telling a compelling story and pleading to them for why they're obligated to to move in my direction not, not just that they could or should, but why are they obligated to move in my direction and getting that emotional connection as to why that's, that's where it really matters in my opinion. And this is true, whether advocating for a zoning change, a local park, you know, impacting international trade travel, it's, it's all the same. It's, Hey, can I come and emotionally connect with somebody as an individual, regardless of what I'm representing, if that's my business interests, or the fact that I want my kids to have a park to play in. It's the same, it's the same thing. I've got to go and connect and make someone feel obligated to my position.
1: You know, I'm I'm really grateful that you brought up, whether it's a local zoning, a park issue, whatever the case may be, because people often think that, particularly advocating with government, that you're really advocating with Washington, DC. And when you look at Washington, DC, from an elected standpoint, you only have 537 people that are elected in DC. The president, vice president, the 100 in the Senate and the 435 in the house. Yet there's 529,000 local elected officials in this country. And these are often the people that we know that live down the street from us that go to our church or, or temple or tabernacle with us. It doesn't matter uh, or synagogue, you know, it, do, it just doesn't matter. You know, those people. So. Uh, how do you know on think- that
0: on that point, Roger, sorry to interrupt your question, but no. I've I've felt a lot more important meeting with people in Washington, but I felt a lot more successful meeting with people in little towns and state capitals and Places like that where we've accomplished a lot more. So there's a there's a feeling, there's an air of you know Congress and Washington, but uh, being being successful at getting issues addressed is much much more local. Like they say, all politics is local. That's truly the case in most of the issues that any of us will ever deal with.
1: Yeah, and and, and tying that together, uh, Aaron is is the fact that these are the people that have to make things work. They have to, have to turn the water on. They have to make sure that the garbage is picked up. They have to make sure that there are roads and bridges that, that work and function, because uh, the, the collapse of local municipalities, whether that's cities, towns, townships, counties, all those people really get the work done and they want to, they're problem they're solvers. Much,
0: they're much more accountable.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. It's harder to go to the grocery store locally when you don't get that thing done uh, for that. <laughs> So, so why have you personally always taken such an interest in advocacy? Because, you know, I have been following you for the last numerous years. And I always see you speak out on the things that really personally matter to you. And I think you use your voice very effectively. So why have you always taken such an interest in that?
0: Maybe I'm just a big mouth, Roger. I don't know. <laughs> you cross a line at some point where you've said too much, you might as well just keep going and uh, defending the things you believe in. But I've seen, I've seen the power of advocacy from different angles. And I work in an industry that's both important and obscure. So I think um, that drives a little bit more. We don't have a natural spotlight on us like a lot of industries do. And you know, when I've been involved in advocacy work locally or national, there's always an aha moment um, by the party that we're meeting with. Usually it's um, kind of just recognizing that we even exist, but as time's gone on and we've, um, our efforts have gotten better and more sustained as an industry, some of the stuff we've done together, in fact, as that's gotten more sustained. Um, then, it, then those aha moments are more about the size of the hidden industry and the number of people we employ, the number of industries we serve, the, the breadth of our geographic coverage, um, and of course the economic impacts created and, and the more people are familiar with us as individuals in an industry um, you know in the industry as a whole the easier it is for us to address things that come up but my my you know you were asking I think more broadly just in in general but for the industry it really comes down to hey I'm in a hidden industry that doesn't get a lot of attention and occasionally we have needs and issues like the story I shared and we want to be prepared to have people we can call on to address those things when they come up but you know on, on kind of the more broad you know I <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I don't know what it is, but if I, if I believe there's, you know, something that uh, is just and right, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm, I'm just not, you know, I, I guess that's part of my role in, in leadership, part of my background and having, you know, spent a little bit too much time related to politics and, uh, you know, all of that combined, uh, and maybe the big mouthpiece we talked about, I if I see an issue that I think needs to be um, talked about. And, and uh, you know, I think I can have even a little bit of impact. I'm going to talk about it at least a little bit.
1: Well, I think that's a lesson that all of us uh, listening today can actually adhere to is that is, is there a way that we can have a conversation about the things that matter the most to us? And can we have that conversation and respectfully disagree? And the whole point to that is, you know, we can respectfully disagree without being disagreeable. And I think that's one of the, the great uh, points that you always seem to bring out when you do speak out and I wouldn't call it a big mouth. I would I would refer to your ability to be able to communicate with people and, and they see the passion of whatever you're bringing forth with that. And I'd, and I'd like to add another point because we have worked together on issues for the exhibitions industry through the exhibitions mean business coalition uh, that has been put together. And one of the things that we pointed out to people was, In every single congressional district in this country, there are businesses that buy and sell their goods and services by attending exhibitions and trade shows and events. And that's vitally important, taking it back to the local level. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, you know, if, if we're dealing with an issue with a venue it has nothing to do with Congress in almost every case, yeah. you know, if, if we're, um, if we're talking about travel related issues, you know, Congress plays a role in it, but it's really about getting people to these markets. And sometimes that's more, more local. Do they have the right uh, airlift? Do they have the right hotel capacity? Do they have the ability to move people around town? I mean, these are local issues. It's, you know, do you have a, do you have a pleasing market? is more important than, you know, can we get somebody here from Dubai, you know, most of the time?
1: Yeah, correct. Uh, So let me uh, kind of come to the end of this by asking your opinion, uh, probably on a big picture scale, uh, of what are the greatest challenges in trying to educate elected officials? Is it access? Or is it them really listening or what, what do you think it is today
0: yeah it's uh it's a good <laughs> excuse me you know it's hard to get um the actual if you're looking at federal, it's hard to get the actual members' time and attention. Usually it's best to work with our staff and be satisfied that that's an effective place to go. I think a lot of people federally look and say, if I'm not talking to the congressman or senator, then I'm not making impact. In reality, if you're talking to the congressman and senator, you're probably not making impact. If you're talking to the staff and and having a compelling discussion with follow-up, there's where you're going to get something done. They're the ones that are really doing most of the work. Um, if, If at the local level, you're much more likely to get To the actual um, office holder and and have an impact and and there i think it's it's not as much about access or getting their time i think it's about having a true reason to go and do it and being prepared when you do and have something meaningful to talk about if i set up a half hour meeting with my local congressman uh, i better have a half hour of worthwhile content you know maybe 25 minutes because there's going to be five minutes of shooting the bull but like most everybody else, if you lose their attention in the first few minutes, it's, it's gone they'll end that meeting in five minutes um, versus the 30 minutes that were allotted. And that's the same with your city council member, it's the same with the governor. And um, I think the key is being prepared. Getting access is a lot easier than using the access that you got effectively. And, and um, you get, it's like everything else, you get one shot or two shots at uh, being successful with that first message. And if you go in unprepared, it doesn't matter if you met somebody and that you got your name out um, if you don't have a reason. And, and often that should accompany some ask, even if it's not a, the easier ask in the first meetings best, because if they feel like they can do something for you early on, they've cemented some type of relationship with you by doing something that was essentially no effort for them. You've got a great platform to get started and you educated them on what you're doing.
1: I, I love that using the access uh, effectively. Yeah. Is, is a really great point. Uh, getting, getting in the room is relatively easy in many cases <laughs> yeah. because they wanna hear from their constituents, but using that time effective, both effective for both parties, being able right. to go in and say, you really need to know this because this does affect your district uh, or, or whatever your elected region is. Aaron, I think we, you and I could go on with this for quite a while uh, as, as we both have the same passion we're being able to speak out and and create influence and be effective in doing that. Do you have any final thoughts today as we wrap up?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the questions you asked me in advance was, you know, why is, in my opinion, why is advocacy so important? And I, I think the real answer on that is I don't know. We never know. And that's why it's so important because we, we really don't know why or when it's going to be so important until we need it. And um, once we need it, then it's crystal clear. But if we haven't done some of the groundwork in advance, if we haven't um, done relationship building and build exposure for ourselves, for our brand, for our industry, whatever it is, then it's going to be too difficult to get where we need to get quick enough when there's a when there's a matter. And I, again, I'm not talking just federal. I'm talking about local. You know, take a little bit of time to get to know the people that have in, impact in the community. It's not always elected officials, but often it is. It could be a city manager. It could be the economic development director, um, whoever it is. But we don't know why that's so important until we need it. And I think that's the most important thing about advocacy for me is... Um, it becomes a need. It's not always, it's not always there. The need to do it's always there, but it becomes a need after we, you know, after something comes up.
1: And you never know that what was reality today at this minute in time doesn't change in a half hour because of some act that neither party had anything to do with, but just totally changes the focus of where the priorities are. And we see that all the time.
0: And that can be a- that can be an issue in government, it could be an issue in our business or industry. So if you look back in the exhibitions industry, if we go back to, you know, nine, uh, the 9-11, you know, could have had huge impact on our industry and we addressed certain things related to security to make sure that it was minimized. Um, the, the Great Recession had impact and now the pandemic. And in each of these cases, there have been reasons why we needed to engage mostly locally, but some federally you know to make sure that we were prepared to return and and those all came up just like that you know those were those weren't things that you could plan for and prepare for other than knowing the right people and having relationships
1: well said i think i want to i want to end on that positive note there uh, so that's a wrap up of today's great conversation with aaron blood are ceo of fern expo uh, aaron again thank you for being on the show
0: happy to be here thanks roger okay.
1: And now it's time for the advocacy engagement. Now, today's tip is governing is not easy, nor should it be. Democracy is messy, and it should be. So educate yourself. The media supplies a 24-7 opportunity to hear the latest breaking news. And it seems to me that everything is breaking news these days. So listen for real experts, not political pundits. Uh, task with spewing the party talking points, but make sure to verify what you're hearing and reading. Sift out fake news. Seek true experts on a topic. Find and understand opposing viewpoints to create balance in your thinking and reaffirm your position. We often believe that an issue is clear-cut and easy to pick a side. Aaron and I talked about that today, that often it necessarily isn't, and it can change on a dime then the more we know the more we realize these nuances often leading us to more pragmatic thinking we would like to thank our sponsor rap index know who your people know go to rapindex.com that's rapindex.com and tell them roger sent you for a special offer In upcoming episodes, you'll be treated to inspiring interviews from leaders in the world of politics, associations, and nonprofit causes. If you like today's podcast, head over to where you find your podcast, be it Apple, Google, or Spotify, and now you can even say, hey, Alexa, play the Voices in Advocacy podcast. A big thank you again to Aaron for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate your time and passion in helping others through advocacy. Well, that's it for this episode of Voices and Advocacy. Remember, you have the power to be an effective and influential advocate. Now, go out and make it a better world.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's Voices and Advocacy podcast and look forward to you joining us again next week. To learn more about Voices and Advocacy, go to our website, voicesinadvocacy.com.